When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Today, my guest is Jason Hansen. Jason spent nearly a decade as a CIA officer earning two exceptional performance awards and learning the secrets of espionage and survival. He left the agency to pursue his passion of teaching ordinary citizens how to protect themselves and their families from danger. He is the founder and CEO of Spy Escape and Evasion, a company that offers training courses, products, and online resources on spy skills and safety. He is also the author of the New York Times bestseller, Spy Secrets That Can Save Your Life, which reveals how to escape kidnappers, prevent identity theft, evade a home invasion, and more. Jason has shared his expertise on numerous TV shows, including The Rachel Ray Show, Today, Dateline, and Shark Tank, where he won a deal with Damon John. He also created and performed a one-man show in Las Vegas called Spy Escape and Evasion, which showcases real spy tradecraft, a little bit of humor and intrigue. Jason is a sought-after keynote speaker who delivers engaging, and informative presentations globally on security, survival, and success. Welcome to Success Story. I'm your host, Scott Clary. The Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. For everyone listening, I just have to ask you a question. Do you want to know what separates the contenders from the pretenders, the A-list from the C-list, world champions from the world not champions? It's pretty simple. The fourth quarter in sports, More importantly, for a lot of the people listening here in business, finishing strong is key. Now, HubSpot's new sales hub is the software that you need for your sales and your sales team to win Q4. You could be a solopreneur. You could own and run a larger business. Regardless, if you are selling anything to anyone, which I think a lot of the people who are listening to this are, you need to check out Sales Hub. So there is a new prospecting workspace. There's revamped deal management tools. There's smart sequencing. Sales Hub is loaded with everything you need to turn leads into prospects and then convert those prospects into customers. With Sales Hub, you have the right information at the right time to build better relationships, which means closing deals has never been easier. So this Q4, give yourself and your team the tools to win big with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at HubSpot.com slash sales. I'm an Eagle Scout, and as an Eagle Scout, I was blessed to do a ton of camping, a ton of playing in the woods, a ton of shooting BB guns and doing all that. And I remembered, and I was like, hey, I don't, you know, when I get older, I don't want to have a job where I'm sitting behind some desk. I don't want to, you know, push a bunch of papers and all that. I want to do something where I can, you know, be running around shooting people with BB guns or doing something like that. So I remember thinking that. And then when I got to college, 
same thing. I was like, well, I don't really want to get a desk job where I'm some corporate guy for 40 years. Hey, I should join the CIA or the Secret Service or something like that. So that 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 was kind of my path to the agency. Because I always wonder, like, what makes somebody want to join the CIA? And I'm wondering if it's like too many movies growing up or if it's like because their dad or their mom was in it or but you just you just wanted something different. Yeah, yeah. my parents, different. my dad was an entrepreneur. He ran his own company. Yeah. It was a computer company. My mom was a school teacher. So nobody, no agency in the background of my family or anything like that. It was pretty much a sense of adventure to do something different, kind of have an adrenaline rush. And I'm still an adrenaline junkie to this day. I get bored very easily. But yeah, that was the foundation. Was it, uh, was it like what you thought it would be? When you, when you, I'm yeah, assuming well, it's, I mean, it slows yes down before no, it speeds up, right? Because yeah, I'm assuming yeah, lots yes of paperwork, no, right? lots of, yeah. <laughs> what I always tell people is, listen, if Hollywood was the real CIA, you know, sure, that'd be great and crazy, but of course it's not. Um, you know, if Hollywood showed what it was actually like in the agency every day, nobody would go to the movies because clearly you're not jumping out of copters. You're not driving a Maserati down the streets of Europe and everything. You're trying to blend in to your surroundings. So it's like many other things. It's 99% hard work, 99% nothing happens, and 1% hang on for the great ride. <laughs> so when you when you go through this process, and every time you know I have these these questions, I, I I want you to say as much as you're able to say because I think it's really an interesting process to go through to onboard into the CIA. What is it really like? What is the the onboarding, the training, the you know, what are the skills that you've learned in college that can be transferable? Or is it just blank slate? It's a certain kind of person that is born to make it in the CIA. And, and you know, if you're not that person, you're never going to make it. Like, walk me through that whole process. It's a very long process. So from the point that I applied, and most people apply. So there's that myth that everybody gets recruited. Mm -hmm. Usually the guys that get recruited speak 17 languages or have a connection to Iran or, you know, they've got, they're like some super genius, but us quote unquote, normal people, most of us apply. So from the time I applied to the time I actually got the job and walked into headquarters, it was probably 12 months. So it's a, it's a very long process. First, of course you apply and then they reach out to you and you fill out mounds of paperwork. I'm sure more of it's online these days, but you fill out a ton of paperwork. Then they bring you in and you've got to get polygraphed. Then they bring you in, you got to get a medical. Then they bring you in, you got to meet with a, I can't remember if it was a psychologist or psychiatrist, but they basically bring you in to take all these tests to make sure you're not a nut job and you're not a lunatic and all that kind of thing. So there's multiple different processes. And in every, every time, of course, you can get kicked out. You cannot make it. And obviously I didn't make it, but yeah, it was probably a year before they send you the letter and basically say, hey, congratulations, we would like to offer you a job with the agency. You know, if you accept, here's your start date. And I still have that letter somewhere in a box buried in my attic or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not easy. It's a pain in the butt. They, of course, background check you and talk to your neighbors and friends and this and that and all types of things. And I know it is, I've heard it's got looser these days, meaning I've never done drugs in my life. And of course, mm -hmm. they check that. They ask you that on the polygraph. And I can't remember what someone told me, but I heard like, hey, if you haven't done drugs in the last five years, then you can do it. So unfortunately, like all of life and society, they're loosening standards. But mm -hmm. it was, I mean, it was a long process. I made it. It was a pain in the butt. I hate paperwork, but obviously I'm glad I did it. Yeah, I know. I I, I actually, um, a lot of what you're 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 discussing actually rings true to me because my dad was in CSIS. I'm Canadian. Mm -hmm. So I think that I, you know, I remember <laughs> for office Christmas parties, we would go in and he'd like take me to the polygraph to mess with me as a kid. <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, but it was, it's, it's a totally different world. But I, I do think that uh, I remember because my obviously entrepreneur now podcasting, this is sort of my thing, but growing up, it was always a thought you go into law enforcement and whatnot. And I think that at that time, any sort of drug in your entire life was not acceptable. But I even think that it was more lenient than maybe 20, 30 years ago. And I could totally be, mis be misquoting, but I think at one point, like tattoos were unacceptable. And then it just got, you know, it was like even more strict going back and back and back. And then eventually it starts to get more lenient and, and with the right. times, but still such a fascinating career. So um, when you, when you, when you go down this path, I mean, obviously when you're going through this training, you don't, 
necessarily think at some point you're going to be an entrepreneur or do you do you plan in the future is this something that just happens to you or do you plan an exit at any point <laughs> i wish i was that smart i wish i was that intelligent <laughs> uh, I, i've always had the entrepreneurial bug but you know when i joined the agency it was my dream job i was gung-ho i was like this is amazing and everything so for me to say, hey, you know, I planned it out where I was going to join, I was going to work X amount of years, and then I was going to start my own security company I'm doing now. No, none of that is true. That didn't happen. <laughs> but I was with the agency seven years. Wonderful place to work. I love it, but it's a single man's game. So I had these amazing mentors. And a lot of them were, so I joined at 23, so I joined young. But these guys were in their 50s, great, amazing CIA officers. But a lot of them were divorced or they had horrible relationships with their wife and kids. And they were like, crap, I got to be home now or they'd rather be off doing something else. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall. I was single at the time, so it was fine. Mm -hmm. But I was like, you know, I kind of want to get married. I want to have some kids someday. I want to have a quote unquote more normal life. So I did leave the agency after seven years and I loved what I did, meaning I love security. I love personal protection. I love self-defense. It's my passion. So it was kind of like, hey, I want to start my own business. I got to do something now that I'm leaving the agency. And why don't I do something that I'm good at, that I know, and that I really enjoy? Is it is it hard to leave the agency and and build something? Do they support that process? And also, sort of, I don't like doing two-part questions, but the second part also ties into it. Is it hard to leave the agency and become a public figure and put yourself out there and talk about some of the things that maybe you learned and you don't want to cross the line of talking about things you shouldn't talk about, but some of it obviously helps you build your own brand and your own career. So as far as hard to leave the agency, it's not like the movies where they're going to lock you in the basement and never let you out <laughs> and you can never leave. That's, that's Hollywood myth. What's hard is that you have your top secret security clearance. So I had a TSSCI with Lifestyle Poly, which means you're golden for life. You're set for life. If you have that top secret security clearance, you never got to worry about a job. Uh, again, you're set. So that's hard leaving that, especially when I didn't go to Harvard Business School, meaning I went to college. My very first job was a police officer, but then I very quickly joined the CIA. So it's not like I had any business experience. I'd been a government employee my entire life. Uh, so what was really hard was one, leaving the security clearance, and two, they obviously try and convince you to stay. So my my leaders at the time, great people were like, hey, Jason, you're doing a great job. We're working on this project. We really need you. And I did stay a little longer than I anticipated. So I did say several more months uh, to help with a certain thing. So it was more of like, hey, they're trying to convince you. They don't want to mm -hmm. lose you. But as in strong arming you or threatening, no, 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 none of that happens. And I left the agency on great terms. So again, no complaints whatsoever with the agency. When I left, I was doing a lot of corporate stuff. So it was almost as if these corporations were sneaking me in the back door. And because all I knew was a government life, I'd go into these Fortune 500 companies, multi-billion dollar corporations, and they'd be like, you know, we have this kidnapping problem in Brazil we need you to help us with. And in our whole security team, we've got four people. One guy's in America, one guy's in Australia, one guy's in England. And it was a big eye-opening for me, like, wait a minute, you're a multi-billion dollar corporation and your main security team consists of these four guys <laughs> and half of them have no real experience and don't know what they're doing. So I was doing a lot of that and I was under the radar. Nobody knew what I did. But then the show Shark Tank, somebody mentioned to me the show and said, hey, you should go on it. And because I was former CIA, you know, I love going under the radar. I just, I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. I was very, very private and I had this mentor and he said to me, Jason, are you good at what you do? And I said, yeah. And he said, do you think it'll help people? And I said, yes. And he says, then you've got to get out there and promote yourself. So now I'm fortunate where I've been on dozens of shows. I've written a New York Times bestselling book, but I, I did that because I realized, hey, if I want to share my message, I've actually, again, got to promote myself. So it's not something that is natural to me. Meaning, like before going on Shark Tank, I was like, no, nah, I don't really think I want to do this. I'm not going to do this. And I kind of did it hesitantly. However, it was amazing. Huge blessing. I'm glad I did it. So even to this day, it's kind of a, I don't, I, you know, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing where the real <laughs> me is super private. Nobody knows where I live. I've got a, a circle of very close friends, but not a huge bunch of friends. And so the real Jason is not a social butterfly, is a very, very private person. 
But again, I love what I do. I love my business and I want to tell people about it. So that's the part of, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate that I get to go on places like yours because I do want to spread the word. I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a probably a hard transition coming from a life of privacy and whatnot and putting yourself out there, but it's like, it's a really smart jump to, to take if you, if you can do it and you can put your entire self behind it. Shark Tank is not the easiest place to come out though. I mean, <laughs> you've probably picked one of the most, uh, high pressure environments with a, a totally different kind of pressure. When you, when you thought, okay, I will do Shark Tank. You didn't have you had business experience because you're you know you're doing some of these corporate engagements and whatnot. But what was the what was the process behind figuring out what you actually want to pitch to them? Because it wasn't like you were the entrepreneur that had three four attempts at building a product and taking yeah. it to market and right. go. So it's it's something that was even novel for Shark Tank, right? Which they see a certain kind of product again and again and again. So how did you think through what am I going to pitch? What's it going to be worth? What, what valuation am I going to take on this type of product and service? So walk me through that. Sure. So I do a lot of training for, so when I was doing this corporate stuff, a lot of these guys would bring me in to train their families, their wives, their cousins, uncles, aunts. So I was doing a ton of training with high net worth individuals. And a lot of it was escape and evasion training and self-defense training. So, hey, here's how to escape duct tape. Here's how to escape rope. Here's how to pick locks. Um, here's how to become a human lie detector so you can read people better. So it was all this kind of training and people loved it and really enjoyed it. And I was getting hired for celebrities and this and that and doing all kinds of stuff, but still under the radar. Uh, so what I did was I pitched this escape and evasion training, this live kind of event uh, that I was doing with this celebrities and small group, but bringing it to the masses. And how did I prepare? Well, how you prepare for everything in life, how you prepare the agency is deep, 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 deep research. So I'm not exaggerating when I literally watched every episode of Shark Tank, I literally watched every single interview that any of the sharks had done, whether it was Damon John or Mark Cuban or anybody, I knew those people better than they knew themselves. It's, I mean, it's intelligence 101, meaning know your target better than they know themselves. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. I can't name the name, but there's a very successful businessman who was kind of helping me uh, and uh, he wrote me this really nice email that just said basically, hey, Jason, you know, your business is going to be incredible. You're a hard worker. You're going to go to the like really nice thing. And he's a well-known guy. And so I was doing uh, my research, watching all these television shows that entrepreneur or that uh, these entrepreneurs had been on, like Damon John, Mark Cuban, Barbara and, you know, Mr. Wonderful and all these. And I saw Damon John. It was some interview, some I don't remember what it was, like some TV station. And he mentioned this businessman's name that was a friend of his. And so going into Shark Tank, I had the businessman's nice note he sent me printed on a piece of paper. I took it out of my suit jacket and I said, hey, Damon, like, guess what? Here's what so-and-so said to me. And he's a friend of mine. I saw Damon's eyes light up. I knew I was, I was going at that point. Now, strangely enough, this businessman... After I went on Shark Tank, the uh, Shark Tank producer sent me an email and said, hey, you know, we need his permission to use his name, to use his thing. I emailed him and he didn't want me to use it, which is weird because it would have promoted him. So I can't name him because he was like, no, Jason, I don't want you to tell anybody about that. It was me who said this and he wants to remain private. So obviously I respect his privacy. But that deep, deep research helped me land a deal on Shark Tank with Damon John. And and. Were you were you happy with that deal? Because when I look at that deal, that's an expensive piece of equity. It was what a hundred and fifty thousand for forty five percent of the company, which is that's significant. Forty five percent of the company is a lot. So here's here's the thing: most of the deals that happen there change afterwards. And mm -hmm. I found out talking to many people. I'm, it might have been Damon who told me this. I can't remember who that of the deals made on TV, only about 30% of them close in real life. Because entrepreneurs will go on the show and they'll say things like, hey, my business is doing $10 million. And then they look <laughs> at the real books and the business is doing $100,000. So they obviously exaggerate. Now, everything checked out for me. You know, My business is good. And we did a deal together for one year. So now I own 100% of my business, everything. And Damon was great. I love him. Obviously, I had a lot of connections that I didn't have in the business world. But these guys do so many deals. I don't want to say it's superficial because mm -hmm. he was wonderful and I can call him and email him every time I need him. 
but it was a one-year thing. I learned some stuff from them. And now, you know, again, I'm a hundred percent owner of my business. Okay. That makes sense because I, I saw that deal and I'm like, that's, that's, that's significant. That's not yeah, a, absolutely. that's not an easy amount of equity to, but I, you know, it's nice to hear like success stories from Shark Tank because I have heard as well that some of the deals don't get done and it's, right. it's probably, you know, no one's fault other than they don't portray themselves the way they, they should on, on TV, which is silly to me, but it is, it is what it is. So when you work out this deal with, with, uh, with Damon, talk, talk to me about the next year of your business. Um, how does Damon help? What does he bring to the table outside of money? Where do you strategically go? Because I love your story because you're not an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and you didn't have the corporate experience, but then you built something that's very successful, including the personal brand. So I want to highlight some of the strategic moves that you took that Damon maybe advised you to take that you figured out on your own, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, it was chaos. It was great chaos. <laughs> As it always is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was me figuring things out. So like I said, I could call, I could email Damon and get his advice. I mean, one thing that happened is after going on Shark Tank, uh, who was it? Penguin Random House reached out to me. And they said, hey, we'd like to have you to write a book. We like to do this. They gave me a nice hefty advance. And I wrote a book, which we uh, it became a New York Times bestseller, which obviously awesome and I'm grateful for. And I've since uh, written, I think, over a dozen books now. Uh, so that book was obviously a great thing to come after that. And then I'm, I'm a gear junkie. So products that I wanted, I started creating knives and creating tactical pens and creating all this stuff because I love gear. I've got my bug out bags. I've got all that stuff. So started selling gear. Uh, I have my 320-acre spy ranch that's in Utah. And I had actually purchased that before... Uh, Shark Tank aired. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it. Each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. Ufi is sponsoring today's video. They reached out to me. I tested out their video lock. It is a game changer. I'm going to paint a picture for you for why I'm so excited to work with them. So you're getting home. Your arms are loaded with groceries or packages or boxes or everything. And your keys are in your pocket. This drives me nuts. This happens all the time. I upgraded to the Ufi video lock. Fingerprint tap, I'm inside. And honestly, I also feel way safer. It's got this awesome built-in camera. So whether it's a package delivery or late night Uber order, I see exactly who's there right from my phone. There are no more mystery knocks. And the best part, this thing was such a breeze to set up. There's no wires, there's no drilling. Uh, there's also no monthly subscription fees. So if you are done fumbling with your keys, because I definitely am, search for Eufy Video Lock or head over to eufyofficial.com slash video lock your front door, your sanity. Today's show is brought to you by 1Password. Now listen, we all have that one friend who's constantly forgetting passwords and needing help to get into their accounts. I have a solution, it's called 1Password. 1Password is the award-winning password manager trusted by millions of users and companies like IBM and Slack to keep logins, credit cards, and other private info safe in an encrypted vault that only you can access. No more sticky notes with passwords or using the same password everywhere. I've been using 1Password for a year now and I can't recommend it enough. It saves me time from having to reset passwords and gives me peace of mind knowing my info is secure. With convenient features like automatic password generation and login autofill, 1Password takes the hassle out of passwords. 
You can use it on all your devices, iOS, Android, Mac, PC. Everything syncs seamlessly. And with top-notch security audits and encryption, your data stays private. So do yourself a favor and check out 1Password today. Go to onepasswordcom Clary and get a two-week free trial. Let 1Password remember all of your logins for you so you can remember what really matters. That's onepasswordcom Clary for two weeks free. So it was, I can't remember how it went because Shark Tank, you know, has a delay. Like you go tape the mm-hmm. show, it's taped. And then that was a delay of four or five months. So before I went, and I, again, I can't even remember, but I had purchased this. And I think on the show, I said I was going to purchase because I was going to purchase it at the time. And what I'm about to say goes back to, you got to trust your gut and believe in yourself, no matter what anybody says. So I have another guy I know, kind of a mentor, incredibly successful businessman worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And I told him, hey, I'm going to buy this 300 acres in Utah and I'm going to turn into Spy Ranch. We're going to do evasive driving. We're going to do escape and evasion, all this stuff. And he was like, no, I don't think I like that idea. Right. You know, I I wouldn't do that if I were you. And so uh, Mark Cuban on Shark Tank basically said the same thing. Like, hey, you're an idiot. You're a knucklehead. Uh, Don't do it. Well, I ended up buying the 320 acres. I ended up creating Spy Ranch, and it's been one of the most successful things of all. I have people that have come from all over the world to train at Spy Ranch, um, Invasive Driving, and actually just last week was our Ultimate Spy Week, which is a five-day adventure. Again, people came from all over the world to attend this, and it was great. So, again, going back to what I said earlier is I had two very, very, very successful businessmen tell me not to do it. I knew the training offer was great. I knew it would be worthwhile, so I did it anyway. And it's it's been a massive, massive success. So that is another thing that's happened. And it's overall, it's been wonderful. I've been fortunate. I do, we got a bodyguard division that is executive protection for musicians and celebrities. Uh, we do consulting. We do home security audits where I go to very wealthy people's house and do home security audits. So we're doing a ton of stuff. It's great. Like I said, Shark Tank was I was initially like, no, I don't think I want to do this. I don't think I want to go on TV because I'm very private and personal, but well worth it. I think that, you know, a couple a couple lessons there, obviously, the, the just jump in and figure it out lesson when it comes to testing something new. But also you had massive, um, a massive amount of confidence in in what you knew and what you were doing. And I think that, yes, mentors are definitely really important. But ultimately, <clears throat> if you know what you're doing and you're obsessed with it, like you will find a way to make it work, but you have to be the level of of obsession that you have to have with the product or service that you're bringing to market has to be above and beyond. And I mean, you lived in this world and your perspective was so unique and that's what differentiated. And that's probably what would make your business and this, this ranch and this whole ecosystem successful when somebody who maybe thinks it's a good idea, but doesn't understand how to deliver this product in the best mm-hmm. possible way, if they tried to emulate you, it would have flopped because it's probably a very difficult business to build and to scale properly. So you have to be so in it and you have to have so much experience. And that's what, that, that's what you have. That's what you bring to the table. Um, I'm very curious. What are the, if, if I'm going to ask you the skills that you learned in the CIA that were the most transferable to business, what skills pop into your mind? Hard work, being on time, and being able to sell ice to an Eskimo. So there's a friend of mine, and I love her saying, she says, spies are the world's best salesmen. The only difference is you sell vacuums, we sell treason. So you've got to be socially comfortable with everybody. So in real life, as I mentioned earlier, I'm more of an introvert. I'm, you know, I'm the guy, if I go to a party, my wife will mingle and talk, and I have no desire to talk. It's just, I, I don't need to, meaning I don't have it. However, I can, meaning I'm perfectly comfortable going anywhere and everywhere, where whether I'm dealing with a billion dollar client of mine, or whether it's the guy next door who makes $30,000 a year. Again, I'm, I'm totally comfortable everywhere. I can talk to anyone. So that's probably the most transferable and important skill is your social skills to be able to communicate to people, to get done, to be able to read people, obviously is a very important skill. So that, yeah, that's by far one of the most valuable things from the agency. What what do you think uh, people screw up in terms of sales and communication when they're trying to sell product or service that you see this immediately when you talk, when you speak to somebody or somebody tries to pitch you on something? 
one, they haven't done the research. So for instance, I've never sent a text message in my life. I use a flip phone in my books. And I've probably told this to about a million people, right? So I will get people who eventually reach out to somebody in my company and say, hey, I've been texting Jason. A friend of a friend gave me his phone number. I have this great business idea. You know, I want to partner with them. I'm like, well, clearly you didn't do your research if you've been texting me because I've never, you know, so so it's if you're trying to go after me because I have people, I'm always looking to invest in businesses in the survival niche, meaning whether it's a knife company, gun company, security company, I love what I do and I buy businesses and all that kind of stuff. So if you're coming to me, which I have people all the time and they say, hey, Jason, I want you to invest in my knife company or this and that. And again, they say, hey, I've sent you a text message or hey, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you didn't do any research. You are trying to ask me for a significant amount of money. You're trying to ask me to partner where I'm very, very busy with all my other businesses. So that's probably the biggest turnoff is people not doing their homework, which is easy these days with social media. It's not like it's hard back in the day gathering intelligence. And then I'd say the other thing is making sure they're the right fit. So again, when I'm, you know, people come to me, like I literally try and turn them away. I'm like, here's what's going to happen. Here's the way it's going to work. Here's what it's going to need to be. It's very, very expensive to work with me. And I'm talking consulting and all that kind of stuff. Here's when we'll talk. And so it's almost like, does this work for you or not? Where, you know, too many people are like, hey, I will do anything to make the next buck. I don't care if this, and I'm just making this up, this magic nutrition pill is right for you. I'm going to shove it down your throat. So I'm always like, hey, does it make sense? Does, are you going to be a good fit? Now, of course, the caveat is I'm blessed where I'm not broke. I don't need money. I'm not good about to go homeless. So that's easy for me to say versus some guy who needs to sell that next pill or he's not going to be able to feed his family tonight. Um, I, I think that I know the answer to this, and I think that it's probably going to hinge on research. But when you level yourself up again, you've leveled yourself up as a, as a business leader uh, very quickly, <clears throat> and you've had mentors, and you keep repeating the fact that you've researched an incredible amount, which I think is very, very smart. But when you look at how fast you've leveled up, you've built multiple successful businesses, now you invest in businesses, what would the other or the the secret thing that you obsessively focus on that allows you to learn how to do something new exceptionally well outside of research and mentors, which I'm sure play a, obviously a huge part. Is there any other sort of things that you internalize as a, as a business leader and, and, and upskilling yourself? First, I work 12 hours a day. I get up at 5 a.m. I shut down at 5 p.m. because I got six kids. So obviously I want to be with them and they're still young since I left the agency, or I mean, I didn't have kids until after I left the agency. Mm -hmm. uh, so one, 12 hour days, and two, find the best in the world. So people reaching out to me, like some billionaire hires me for consulting or whatever, he wants the best in the world. He reaches out to pay me, he pays me a good amount of money. Well, I do the same thing. If I'm trying to learn something, and you know, I'm just making this up, if somebody said, hey, Jason, I want you to invest in my, my pie business, my apple pie business, right? Which I wouldn't, but you know what I mean. Uh, if it was like, hey, I want you to invest in my apple pie business, I would go find the best person in the world of the apple pie business and hire them or go to them. So my network these days, because I have so many very high successful business clients, is I'm so blessed to be, reach out to them and be like, hey, you know, I know you're the best in the world when it comes to supplements, nutritional supplements. I know you're the best in the world when it comes to how to make leather wallets. So I, I'd, I'd go to them and hire them and say, uh, you know, I want to pay you for an hour of consulting. Tell me what I need to know. Is this apple pie business good? So I'm all about shortcutting everything these days because I don't have the time. We live in a world of experts. I've got the six kids that I want to spend time with. So I'm, I'm very, very efficient and obsessive with my time, which is why I've never sent a text message in my life. Well, one of the reasons, because I, I was going to ask that next. That was my next question. <laughs> well, security, safety, and we all know the world spends way too much time on their phone, not paying attention to everything that's going on. And I, I literally, like, if you have something important, call me, get in touch with me. But otherwise, I don't want to be bothered because I'm working and I love what I do. And that's pretty much what it is, too, is throughout the day, unless I'm doing something like, you know, you and I are talking, doing, I want to be in my office. Nobody knows where this office is either, meaning... I don't, because my employees are remote and everything and all that, but this isn't an office where people can come and hang out 
and shoot the bull. It's like nobody knows where this office is. There's no spy ranch sign or spy Jason sign on the office. It's a little, it's like a CIA safe house kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. And that's the way I want it to be because I like to work. I don't want to be bothered. I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, HubSpot. Now, as you all know, the Success Story podcast is part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. There are incredible podcasts in this network. One of my favorites that you have to check out if you don't know this podcast, you're kind of sleeping on it, the Gold Digger podcast hosted by Jenna Kutcher. This podcast has been around for a minute. Jenna is an OG in the podcast game. The Gold Digger podcast helps you discover your dream career with productivity tips, social strategies, business hacks, inspirational stories, interviews, and so much more. Please go check out the Gold Digger podcast hosted by Jenna Kutcher, wherever you get your podcasts. I love that. And I think that also, you know, you have your life very meticulously laid out and I can see that. I mean, family is very important to you. I want to, I want to talk about the balance with your family. Obviously six kids is not a a small amount of, of kids. That's a significant amount of children that, you know, you have to give attention and love to. And it's so interesting that that was a, some, this, this thread goes throughout your life. It was something that was bugging you when you're in the agency that you saw broken families. I see it a lot with high performers and obviously never been in law enforcement or any sort of situation like that, but I see it a lot with people in entrepreneurship, CEOs, executives, yeah. third, fourth wife. And I mean, it's just very sad, but you're doing it all with six kids, with, you know, a wife you love, with a beautiful family, you're putting in 12 hour days. But I think that with all the success stories that I, I sort of cover here, I think that unfortunately, that's not always the norm to be able to balance everything effectively. And I want to, I, we're going to go into all the all the fun stuff that you teach over in a second. But sure. one last point about you and your life and your family. Um, how do you manage it all? I know it's important to you. That sure. It goes without saying it's important to you, obviously. But how do you manage it all? Um, what are some tricks for other high performers that want to have the connection with their family that you have? So first, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I'm a Christian. I think if you're not religious, it's tough. So whatever your religion is, obviously, mm -hmm. to each his own, but I think you've got to be religious. So I know, I would say I know for a fact, I haven't met God yet, but I'm pretty darn sure that <laughs> when I meet God one day, he's not going to be like, Jason, you only made a million dollars a year. If you would have made $10 million a year, you would have come into heaven. I'm pretty <laughs> sure he could care less about the amount of money I'm making. So I, I think it's very hard for business guys who are not religious to to keep things together. Um, mm -hmm. And I know these guys, I know these guys that are incredibly successful and they don't have kids. And they're like, you know, I, I don't want kids to get in the way. I don't want to waste my time. You know, kids, kids will take away from my business. And it's like, we're supposed to be here to have families, to have kids and all that. And I tell uh, a very successful businessman, friend of mine, and he's an entrepreneur and he and his wife are getting ready to have kids. And I said, listen, here's one of the best reasons to have kids. Us entrepreneurs, we love learning things. We love challenges. We love doing things different. That's what kids are. You know, you're going to learn so much by having kids. You're going to do things you would have never done in your life. I mean, you know, Thanksgiving and uh, Halloween are coming up soon, right? And it's like, we go to the pumpkin patch every year. And as a grown man, I'm never going to go to a pumpkin patch again if I don't have kids. So, you know, I find myself doing these things where I'm like, if I didn't have kids, there's never in a million years that I would be doing this activity, but it makes you learn and makes you get out of there. So I would first say you got to be religious helps, whatever your religion is. And then second, we are, we're all familiar with the deathbed thing. You know, nobody ever said on their deathbed, Hey, I would have worked more hours kind of thing, but you know, play, play the long game, meaning, okay, I'm going to, I always play the long game with everything I do. So I look 10 years down the road. I look 20 years down the road. I look 30 years down the road. And for the, every single thing I do, and enough people don't play the long game these days, they're looking for the quick hit. They're looking for the, you know, the, the quick buck. So I play the long game and say, okay, even though I never plan to retire because I love what I do, there is going to come a day where I'm like, you know what? I don't want 12 hour days. I only want to work a certain amount of days, that type of thing. So I look at that long game of, okay, retirement, Jason, Jason with his grandkids and all that kind of stuff and say, okay, to get there, what do I have to do? But also what do I not want to regret? 
So I think if you really take that long game view, that is hugely helpful. And hey, do you want to be lonely and miserable and by yourself at age 70? No. And guess what? I know those guys. I have those guys of clients and every single one of them regrets it because they build these great companies. But again, they're lonely, they're miserable, they're by themselves. So that's just some of my two cents. I think it, I think it's good to have more people that speak about how to balance these these two parts of your life. I never thought about the religion playing a big part in it, but I think that I don't think you're wrong. I think that maybe it just it makes you think about things that are you know, like when you're when you're an entrepreneur, you're very competitive. <clears throat> and you and you need to win in everything. But sometimes if you if you win too much, you think that you're that important and you forget that there's other things that are more important than you in life. I, and I just wish people would think about that earlier. I think one of the big things that helped me is one, I'm, I mean, I'm very competitive. I've got a massive ego. Now, all of us with a massive ego, we hide it, meaning we don't walk around like jerks. But yeah. you, you know, I guess when I say massive ego, I mean massive self-confidence. Yeah. Because you have to, right? And so I think one of the things that helped me is when you're with the agency, the stakes are very high, right? When you go to the business world, and I've talked to my buddies who are former special forces like Navy SEALs or Delta or whatever. And it's like, when you go into the business world, it's like, yes, you want to win. Yes, you want to be competitive, but the stakes are that high, meaning nobody's going to die. Nothing's yeah. going to happen in national security. So that's one of the helpful things is even though I admit I hate it when things go wrong, even though I get very angry, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, again, nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to get a hood put over their head and taken to a foreign prison to be tortured. So the, the stakes are much, much lower, even though I take it very, very seriously. Yeah, I, that that does that makes a lot of sense too. just the perspective that you have it, it. I think that you start to realize that, you know, the next comma in the bank account is it's nice. But at the end of the day, it's just just it's another comma in it's the a, bank it's account. A game it's a game you very badly want to win. Yeah. Yeah. But also, you know, I think that if you play infinite games in business, there's no reason why you don't play these games in relationships, meaning there's never an end to working on a marriage. There's never an right. end to working on a relationship with your kids. I mean, marriages have uh, the, the relationship will have a season of ups and downs and it won't always be perfect. And I think that, you know, you talked about you don't text a lot because it wastes time. I think that technology ruins our focus and makes us always wanting the next thing quicker, including relationships, because then we see all these other options on social media, kind of like if we're always distracting ourselves with business influencers that are, you know, showing us their jets and their cars. Well, like, why can't I get it now? Why can't I get everything now? You know, the hotter, the hotter partner, the the bigger car or the bigger, whatever, the bigger house. So it's this really toxic thing that I think we have to sort of filter out because we're just inundated with all these signals that are not necessarily healthy. Um, Okay, let's talk about some of the fun stuff that you teach over. I thought it was very interesting because I was going on your YouTube channel and I actually looked at the, the number one video that was on your YouTube channel was how to disappear. And then there was one about how to escape from zip ties. And then there was one about uh, improvised weapons in your home. And I'm actually curious, maybe you have perspective on this as to why people are so interested in this kind of content, because I don't feel like the average person wants actually wants to disappear. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but 6.3 million people watched the video on how to disappear. Why do you think this content hits home with people in such a massive way? That is a great question. So yeah, most of what I do, as I said, is personal security training or self-defense training. I teach a ton of self-defense classes that keeps me very busy. So that's what mostly people want to hear, but you're right for the, for the how to disappear. I'm guessing it's more curiosity, meaning so many people these days don't love their lives. So many people, I can't remember which author, was it Thoreau who said most men live quiet lives of desperation? So I think there's a lot of people who work these jobs and they're bored out of their mind and they're just like, huh, if I just disappeared from my wife and kids and went to Mexico, <laughs> how do I do it? So I, I think it's kind of a fantasy thing, uh, but I could be totally wrong. That's my guess, though. That's so interesting. So, you know, when you look at your personal view on life, you, these are all things that you've learned throughout your career, but also you have uh, your own survivalist mentality built in. Um, you have, I think, two years worth of food storage saved away for yourself. Yep. How important is that? Why is that important to you? Obviously, it's important to you. you you've, you've done it. Um, why is that important to you? What is a lesson that other individuals should learn from? Is this not... Uh, 
you know, hyperbolous? Is this something that we should actually be concerned about for the average individual? You know, you're a smart guy and you are a survivalist to a degree. So what does that mean for the rest of us? Sure. First, we should all be self-reliant. We all have heard the stories of the water pipe burst and you can't get water, which actually happened to a friend of mine not too long ago. And of course, in 30 seconds, all the shelves go empty of water and people need water. Uh, we know that the, uh, the grid can go down. I mean, there's a blackout somewhere. So the world is not going to get any safer. I'm not going to go into a long rant about other foreign threats and trying to bring our grid down. But you've got to be self-reliant. You need to have this stuff. So I realize not everybody's going to want two years worth of food storage like I have. But that makes me comfortable. And the best part of being self-reliant is you can help others. If you do not have supplies, if you're not prepared, well, then you're just another deadbeat who's mm -hmm. causing problems, who's going to stand in a long line because you can't help others out. So, for instance, I have a widow next door, right? I know she has some supplies, but guess what? Because I have so much, I can help take care of this widow. I can help take care of some friends and family. Uh, so that's why I think it's important is so you can take care of yourself and not be a drain on society, not be a drain on the government, but also so you can help those in need who might not be able to afford two years worth of food storage or afford as much as you and I might be able to afford. Because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to learn that this could be a little bit more important than I originally thought. Like I was originally from Toronto, moved down to South Florida, and now I'm dealing with all the hurricane. Yeah chaos that happens and i've never thought to fill my bathtub with water for you know several days of drinking water before but this is a whole new world so i find that so interesting what are some other uh, very important i guess basic things that people should think about in their day-to-day -day? just in terms of survival survival and 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 not being a burden and what they should be doing and you know they're in the condo in a big city what are the things they should think about well, you should have your food storage. We mentioned you should have your water storage. I'm a big guns guy or some type of weapon, so I love guns. You've got to have a way to protect yourself if somebody's kicking in your front door at 3 a.m., whether that's a knife, whether it's a hatchet, an axe. Again, have something to protect yourself. And then pay attention. Criminals case people, meaning when you're staring at your phone, what a criminal, I'll tell you the, the uh, kind of the criminal framework, right? It's called the uh, hostage events attack cycle. And what it means is, okay, some criminal says, hey, I need money, right? I'm going to go to Target and watch everybody coming out of the Target parking lot. And I'm going to see everybody come out who looks like the easiest victim. Then I'm going to follow that easiest victim to the car. I'm going to rob them. And then my buddy's going to be two lanes over. I'm going to jump in the car and we're going to get out of there. That's it in a nutshell. So if you don't have your head down, if you're looking up and you're scanning around, they're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to pick that person because they're going to see me coming. I'm going to go after the 50 other people in the Target parking lot who have no idea what's going on around. So just by having situational awareness and having your head up, it's that much easier not to be attacked. Uh, many years ago in a place I won't name, I was almost kidnapped. Two guys are coming towards me. They don't blend in with the environment. They don't look like they should be there. And as we're about 25 yards apart, they're coming towards me. They look at each other. They look directly at me and they step apart trying to funnel me in between them. Well, as soon as I saw this, I turned around, I took off running. These guys took off running after me. And when people were trying to kidnap me, I become very, very fast. So I outran these guys. They never got to me. But if I had had my head down that day in some phone, I would have walked right into these two guys who would have tried to kidnap me. And then we had to fight it out. So having good situational awareness keeps you out of having to fight, keeps you out of being attacked. Uh, so that's you know an easy thing that every human being on the planet can do. You know, it's so interesting because you always think you're safe, especially as a somebody who lives in North America and in the U.S. You feel so safe. You feel so safe wherever you travel abroad. This reminds me of one story. Um, I think it's a Tim Ferriss story where he went abroad and he didn't think anything was up. And then there was when he got off the plane, um, there was somebody holding a sign saying like Tim Ferriss, like as if, you know, they're the driver or whatever. And then he realized that he didn't tell anybody that he was going to that country. And he, he thinks that this is, you know, the potential a kidnapping event that he avoided because he's like, I never told anybody I was going to the country. There's nobody who should have had a sign there. Nobody knew I was going to be there. And it was some, I can't remember which country, but it's just interesting that this, you don't expect it. And then it really only has to happen once for it to be the most devastating, you know, life impacting event that will ever happen to you. Right, exactly. And he, he obviously played it great. I mean, I, yeah, that Tim Ferriss story I hadn't heard. But he did the right thing. I mean, same thing for me. If 
I'm going somewhere and I don't tell people exactly yeah. where I'm going. I never do. If somebody shows up there with a sign, heck no, I'm, I'm not <laughs> going towards them. So you've got to be vigilant everywhere you go these days. What are some other, I mean, you have so many lessons. It's really hard to to pick. So I'm just going to ask you which ones you think are the most practical or the most impactful that would help somebody in a day-to-day. And it can be a self-defense lesson. It could be a survival, whatever things that you think uh, resonate the most with an audience. Sure. It's sort of just starting to consume your content. So one of the classes I teach is how to become a human lie detector. So it's detecting deception. And we go over a bunch of stuff, but I'm going to tell you one of the easiest ways Anybody can do it. You don't have to be former CIA. I just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list. Life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. You don't have to be a polygrapher or any of that. Is As human beings, we are not made to lie. So when we lie, our brain has to take time to come up with that lie. So if I ask somebody a question, I say, you know, hey, hey, Joe, uh, tell me the last time you stole something, right? Most people immediately answer, oh, I stole money from my parents' wallet in high school. Or, oh, when I was in sixth grade, I stole a Snickers bar from the supermarket, right? It's a, it's a quick, immediate answer. But if you ask somebody this question and they get the nervous look on their face, and they start, um, 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 they're trying to buy time to conjure up that lie. So I'll tell you the perfect example. When I'm hiring people, I literally do just what I said. So I get them comfortable. They sit down with me. I'm like, hey, you know, tell me where you're from. You know, we get to, we shoot the bull for about five minutes. And then way out of left field, I don't even tell them what's coming. I say, tell me the last time you stole something. And again, most people are like, oh, in sixth grade, I stole a bunch of candy from the supermarket, right? Immediate answer. 
They're not nervous. They have normal human behavior. Well, one time, true story, I had a guy, as soon as I said this, he gets the deer in the headlights look, and he's like, well, um, uh, well, and like, hey, don't worry about it. We've all stolen things. You know, we've all, yeah. we've all done stuff. And he says, well, I worked for a bookkeeping company a while back. It was my last job, actually. And I stole a ton of office supplies because I wanted to set up a competing bookkeeping company. And I realized I don't want to be in the bookkeeping business, so I need a job with you. Clearly, I did not hire that guy. But, <laughs> but he was he was very honest. <laughs> he was because, I, I mean, after he started hemming and hawing, I calmed him down and I, you know, I, yeah. I, I got it out of him. But just, you know, once you shoot the ball for five minutes with somebody, come out with a question way out of left field. I mean, I do yeah. the same thing with drugs. I say, hey, tell me last time you did drugs. Most people are like, well, I smoked marijuana in high school or I mm -hmm. did some drugs in college. But I had a person once, same thing, deer in the headlights, nervous, told me they did hard drugs on the weekend, but never during the work week. Well, I don't hire people who do drugs because I'm in the security business. So that is an easy way to detect deception is lull them into that complacency, hit them with that uncomfortable question and see if they exhibit normal human behavior. So it's interesting because the second you do that, even if they end up telling you the truth, their mind perceives the thing that they did as something that would obviously turn you off as the question, as the person asking the question. So they think they, they know that what they did is wrong and that's why they pause on it. They, they know that what they did was incorrect or they know that they did like probably is not going to be conducive to them getting the job. So they pause on it. So even if it's not pure deception, you actually benchmark how they perceive the severity of the thing they did by how long it takes them to answer. Correct. I want to see how uncomfortable it makes. If you are honest mm. and you did nothing that is outside of normal human behavior, meaning you stole yeah. candy in sixth grade from the supermarket. Many of us have done that. That's normal behavior. But if you're stealing office supplies as a grown adult at your last job, and a lot of them, clearly not normal human behavior. So you're nervous, you're uncomfortable. You know, like you said, I'm not going to like the answer and you're probably not going to get the job. So you get the deer in the headlights look and all the, the stuff that comes with it. When is there a, is there a way to pick up deception, even if it's not, for example, uh, something that is uh, that much of a lie? So say you're talking about somebody's past experience and you're saying, um, you know, what did you do at your last job? And they were, you know, maybe a, an entry level marketing person, but they're saying that they are the CMO and they did everything for the company. And it's like not a lie, mm -hmm. but it's not the truth. And it could really hurt your business if you make, for example, this hiring decision. Are there any other indicators yeah, I mean, that there's a, are so? Yeah. yeah, there's a ton that I teach. So one of them is pay attention to the direction the head nods because the head doesn't lie. So as human beings, we often lie with our voice, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll give you the million dollar example. And I don't care what anybody's politics are. It doesn't matter to me. But when Hillary Clinton was running for president against Trump several years ago, she had an interview, and I believe it was Diane Sawyer. It was some kind of 60 Minutes type of interview, right? And so they ask Hillary, they say something to her, or Diane Sawyer says something to her like, Hillary, you and Bill have a wonderful marriage, don't you? And she says, oh, yes, we have a wonderful marriage. And you see her head just slightly. <laughs> and so politicians, of course, many of them are liars. This, it's great to watch them on this. So I ask somebody a question, like when I'm interviewing somebody and sometimes they'll say, hey, Jason, I've never stolen anything in my life. And I'm like, you're kidding me. I stole stuff in my life. I was the guy who stole candy from the supermarket in the sixth grade kind of thing. And they're like, no, Jason, I have never stolen anything. I'm watching to make sure their no matches up with their no. Did have a case one time where a guy was like, no, I've never stolen anything. And his head is slightly, it's very slight, nodding yes. And then I know I've got them. So always trust the direction the head nods, not what the voice says. I love that. Um, okay. Is there any, any final, any final lessons or any final thoughts? Cause I have a couple rapid fire that I want to close this out with in a moment, just to pull out some final insights from you, but is there anything that we didn't go into? I mean, we spoke about, you know, all the work that you did with the CIA transition into entrepreneurship. We spoke about some great lessons, spoke about your family, um, anything that we didn't go into that you wanted to talk about? No, I mean, you ask a ton of great questions. So yeah, I think you, <laughs> Thank you. I think you hit on a bunch of stuff. No, that's perfect. Okay. Um, I'm going to do a couple rapid fire to close it out. Um, but most importantly, um, where should people connect with you? You have 
obviously great YouTube channel. You have a couple books that you've published. Um, if people want to sort of dive in and start consuming, mm -hmm. what's the place they should go? I'd say the best place is go to my YouTube channel. If they just search Jason Hansen CIA, that'll take them right to it. Okay, awesome. All right. Um, so you've had a ton of wins, but what is the most memorable loss? The biggest thing that you screwed up that was like, holy shit, I'm not going to recover from this. But obviously you did. So what was that thing and how did you overcome it? How did you fix it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can tell you what that is. It was, it was a painful one. So I've done a ton of business deals and obviously have good contracts and everything, but did a business deal once with a guy that turned out to be incredibly dishonest, a con man, uh, done some horrible things to people. So that cost me a heck of a lot of money. And unfortunately, what I learned is, you know, even though you got your contract, people can, uh, you know, bend the rules and the court system isn't always as, people can abuse the legal system. Let me just say it that yeah. way. Uh, so that was a tough lesson. As you said, I bounced back from it. So I'm just even more careful with everybody I do any kind of business deals these days, uh, you know, much tighter contracts, much tighter mm -hmm. everything. Um, but I, I'll tell you a funny story real quick. Many years ago, I was in this big uh, group where people brought me in, incredibly successful CEOs, executives, multi-million dollar businesses. And this was when I was like recently leaving the agency, right? And the guy there just happened to answer the guy who was running the conference like, hey, and I can't even remember why he asked, but he said, how many people have been ripped off by a business partner or a employee or somebody stolen money from you in the business thing, right? Incredibly successful people. I looked up to many of these people. Some of them are very well known. And about 60% of the people in this room raised their hand, 60. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I just left the agency and they were bringing me in for my expertise. And I remember thinking, Man, I'm never going to have this happen to me. Like, how can these super successful people, 60% of them, be, you know, that's never going to happen to me. But lo and behold, it did happen. Lesson learned. Yeah. I think something that I've seen repeatedly with people that have been burnt and people that haven't been burnt, just sort of like the experience of doing business and building things, I start to notice that people do business with people that they've known for a long time. And that starts to become the default just because, I mean, after, you know, meeting your wife and your kids and maybe you go to a wedding or a birthday party over the course of a couple of years, smart people start to just work within their own circles. It's not obviously always practical, but it just starts to, you know, it makes it so that there's very much less, there's a lot less chance of stuff like that happening. When people come out of the blue with like an offer that's too good that's when you have to right. put up a red flag and you're 100 um, right my inner circle these days when i'm doing businesses when i'm doing stuff is very yeah. tight very thorough so yeah yeah you're absolutely right about that when people i mean people reach out to me still all the time out of the blue but i have a team a very thorough vetting team and probably yeah. 99 out of 100 deals i look at it's screwed up it doesn't vet it doesn't pass muster so we you know we take that one percent yeah that's smart um if you could tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Well, man, my 20-year-old self, you are going to have a very much larger successful business than you could ever have dreamed of. That is what I would tell my 20-year-old self. My 20-year-old self was trying to get into the CIA and everything and not really thinking of business. So that would be like, a, what are you talking about? You're going to have this huge you know, multi-million dollar business. That would be an eye-opener for me. Outside of the fact that Outside of the fact that obviously your business hinges on your experience in the CIA, would you pursue a career in the CIA again or some sort of law enforcement? Do you feel like it does people right going through that? Yeah, I loved it. I mean, it's great training. The training I got was amazing. It's very hard. It toughens you up, meaning it's a kind of a boot camp mentality when you're going through the training. So you got to be tough as nails because they're trying mm -hmm. to wash people out and get people to quit. Uh, you know, if every American went through some kind of boot camp thing, we, we'd all be a lot tougher and stronger to be good for the country. Yeah, I, I, I'm totally on the same page as that. Um, and then last question, you've had incredible career, uh, obviously, as an agent and then as an entrepreneur. At this point in your life, what does success mean to you? Success means to me, you know what I really like doing besides obviously spending time with my wife and kids is helping entrepreneurs who are not there yet. I mean, I really find that fun because I remember myself. So maybe it's an entrepreneur who's ha whose business is doing 250,000 a year, or 500,000 a year, and their goal is to break that million dollar mark. 
I love working with those guys because I look back at myself and I'm like, listen, guys, I had zero business experience, had no idea what I was doing. You know, it was sheer grit and everything and, and all that. And basically to say, hey, anybody can do it. It is possible if you're willing to put in the effort. So that's what I enjoy doing now is helping these guys who are, who are more, again, doing a couple hundred thousand a year get to the million dollar mark. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.